Spectral Podcast, we review the outcome and survival in dogs with Six Sinus Syndrome, a life-threatening bradyarrhythmia. First, let's review Six Sinus Syndrome, which we'll call SSS from now on. SSS is the second most common reason for permanent artificial pacemaker implantation, what we'll call PAP intervention in dogs. Definitive diagnosis of SSS technically requires electrophysiologic studies, but in most cases, the practical or clinical diagnosis of SSS in dogs is made based on identification of sinoatrial dysfunction on an ECG in conjunction with clinical signs, such as syncope, weakness, etc. You can do this in your clinic, yo. Typically, ECG findings of SSS include inappropriate sinus arrhythmia during exertion, stress, etc., when tachycardia would be expected. Other ECG findings of SSS include inappropriate sinus bradycardia, sinus arrest, and, in some cases, supraventricular tachycardia as part of bradycardia-tachycardia syndrome. Some feel that ECG findings described above in patients with no clinical signs should be termed sinus node dysfunction, or what we call SND, as opposed to sick sinus syndrome, while others contend that SSS classification should also not include patients who show a response to anticholinergic administration, drugs like atropine, indicating autonomic or vagal dysfunction. In reality, SND and SSS likely represent a continuum of conduction systemic disease. So Ward and all out of North Carolina State University Veterinary Hospital wanted to evaluate SSS in dogs in a paper called Outcome and Survival in Canine Six Sinus Syndrome and Sinus Node Dysfunction, 93 Cases, from 2002 to 2014, which was published in the Journal of Veterinary Cardiology in 2016. The goal of the study was to evaluate SSS patients from the time of presentation or diagnosis through treatment, including modality, effectiveness of treatment, and overall outcome. Surprisingly, no large-scale studies with the specific aim had been previously reported in veterinary literature. So, what'd they find? In this retrospective study, they included a total of 93 dogs defined with SSS or SND. The average age at the time of diagnosis was 11 years of age, with no difference between the SSS and SND group. Females were overrepresented, with 63%, or 59 dogs, being female, and 37%, or 34 dogs, being male. Certain breeds were overrepresented, including miniature schnauzers, West Highland White Terriers, and Cocker Spaniels. 66% of the dogs had clinical signs of their bradyarrhythmia and were therefore considered to have SSS. The most common clinical signs was syncope in 95% of these dogs, or 58 out of 61 dogs. 34% of the dogs were asymptomatic, a total of 32 dogs, and were therefore classified as SND. In the study, there was no statistically significant differences in ECG or halter monitor findings between these two groups of dogs. 74 out of 93 of these dogs had sinus arrest, which is defined as a pause longer than two times the RR interval on ECG. 21% of the dogs had bradycardia-tachycardia syndrome. Atropine response testing, when you administer 0.04 mg per kg of atropine sub-Q, was performed in 63% of the total dogs, 59 dogs, of which 40 had SSS and 19 had SND. 
44% of the dogs had an adequate response defined as a heart rate greater than 150 beats per minute, while 34% of the dogs had a partial response defined as a heart rate less than 150 beats per minute, but greater than 25% improvement from baseline. 22% of dogs had no response to atropine. The dogs with SSS were more likely to have no response to atropine as compared to SND dogs. In this study, the majority of dogs, 85%, had some degree of structural heart disease on echocardiography, but virtually all were mitral valve endocardiosis with simply varying degrees of left atrial enlargement, defined as mild, moderate, or severe. Also, 43% of dogs had concurrent disease of a type that could contribute to elevated autonomic vagal tone, including general categories of respiratory, ocular, endocrine, like hypothyroidism, neurologic, gastrointestinal, or neoplastic disease, like an adrenal mass. Medical treatment in these dogs included the use of oral positive coronatropes, such as theophylline, which is used most commonly in 41 out of 49 dogs, propanthaline, hyoscyamine, and or terbutaline. These medications were prescribed in 49 dogs, the majority having SSS, with the goal of decreasing the frequency of syncope or increasing the baseline heart rate. Approximately half of these SSS dogs, 21 out of 46 dogs, were treated lifelong with medical therapy only. Of these, 10 had adequate control of their syncope until the time of their death. Two dogs were euthanized due to progressive syncope. Nine of the nine SSS dogs were treated with medical therapy as a bridge until PAP was necessary, which averaged 11 months until PAP was performed. In six of the 46 dogs, medical therapy was not effective at reducing syncope. However, medical management often seemed to be successful, with 54% of SSS dogs treated achieved greater than one year of successful control of their signs until PAP or death or euthanasia. Statistically significant factors associated with a greater likelihood of success of medical therapy included those dogs that had a higher resting heart rate at baseline and had a partial or complete response to atropine response testing. Ultimately, 30% of dogs, 28 out of 93, required pacemaker placement. 10 of these dogs were performed on the initial visit to the cardiologist. 20 dogs received a transvenous endocardial pacemaker, while 8 dogs had an epicardial pacemaker placed. 4 out of 28 of the PAP dogs experienced major complications, of which 3 were fatal. Statistically significant factors associated with an increase in likelihood of receiving a pacemaker included those patients that had no response to atropine, that had clinical signs on presentation, that had longer periods of sinus arrest, that had more frequent clinical signs, that had bradycardia tachycardia syndrome, or that lacked disease believed to increase vagal tone. In this study, a total of 17 dogs developed congestive heart failure, but all of these dogs were documented to have mitral valve endocardiosis with severe left atrial enlargement. Patients with bradycardia tachycardia syndrome were statistically more likely to develop congestive heart failure. There was no difference in survival for congestive heart failure dogs with or without PAP placement. Overall, 63 out of 93 of the dogs died at time of publication of this study, with 43 out of 63 dogs being euthanized for non-cardiac reasons, and approximately a third of the dogs being euthanized for cardiac reasons. 13 of the 20 dogs euthanized for cardiac reasons 
did so because of congestive heart failure. Three out of 20 euthanized due to PAP complications. Two out of 20 dogs were euthanized due to progressive clinical signs of sick sinus syndrome, where the owner declined PAP intervention. One due to arterial embolism, and one due to unexpected death. There was no statistically significant difference in survival between dogs with SSS and SND in this study. The median survival in dogs with SSS was 480 days, and for dogs with SND was 754 days. Survival did not differ based on success of medical management, atropine response, or PAP placement. Keep in mind that the majority of dogs with SSS received medical management with or without PAP therapy as compared to only three dogs with SND. Dogs with SSS were statistically at a higher risk of death associated with heart disease versus SND dogs. Syncope was clearly the most common clinical sign in dogs with SSS. However, a significant number of dogs presented with SND defined as asymptomatic sinoatrial node dysfunction. Medical therapy improved patient clinical signs of SSS in a significant number of dogs, often for a significant period of time, greater than one year, such that PAP placement was delayed or not necessary altogether. That said, improvement or success was defined purely by the client or the owner's subjective interpretation rather than objective measurement of frequency of syncope. However, a significant number of dogs with SSS did ultimately require PAP placement eventually. Dogs with SSS were less likely to respond to atropine as compared to dogs with SND, and dogs with no response to atropine were less likely to have success with medical therapy. This supports that a significant number of dogs with sinoatrial dysfunction have a vaguely mediated contribution. Atropine response testing is advised in all dogs with SSS and SND. PAP implantation was highly effective at controlling clinical signs and is relatively safe, although three fatal complications were encountered. PAP implantation had no effect on survival, possibly because of the impact of these three fatal complications. Sudden cardiac death was also rare, one case in the study population, which was hypothesized by the owners to be the primary cause of death. The lack of statistically significant differences in survival between SSS and SND dogs should not be interpreted to suggest that prognosis is good regardless of treatment or lack thereof, but rather that prognosis can be good provided that appropriate therapy, none, medical, or PAP implantation is chosen to resolve or improve clinical signs and prevent euthanasia. Congestive heart failure was relatively common in this population, with the predominant factor likely unrelated to the conduction disease, namely due to primary mitral valve endocardiosis. However, it is well documented that PAP implantation can affect ventricular function and what effect this may have on advancing primary valvular heart disease is unclear but a topic for further studies in the future. So what can we learn from this Fat Girl podcast? Syncope is the most common presenting clinical sign with SSS. SND terminology can be used to describe dogs with sinoatrial dysfunction, but lack of clinical signs if you want to get into the semantics of it all. A significant number of dogs with SSS or SND will display partial or complete response to atropine, suggesting a significant vagal contribution to their conduction disorder. This is good. The response to atropine was associated with likelihood of successful, transient, or long-term treatment with medical therapy in dogs with SSS, allowing delay or lack of need for pacemaker therapy, which is less expensive and less invasive for the pet owner. Those SSS patients with successful treatment with medical management often displayed success for greater than a year. However, many patients with SSS 
will still ultimately require pap implantation, which is highly successful at resolving clinical syncope. Pet owners should be warned of this impending possibility. Most importantly, know that congestive heart failure occurs relatively frequently, 18%, in dogs with SSS or SND. But in most of these dogs, concurrent mitral valve endocardiosis is believed to be the primary contributor.